The Fields Auto Group proudly presents Huddle Up, Huddle Up. with Bucky Brooks, <laughs> J.P. Shatter, John Osher, and NFL Network analyst and former Jaguar Bucky Brooks bring you the latest on your Jacksonville Jaguars. Everything's got to be about the future. It's got to be about tomorrow and bringing all that into focus as we, you know, attack the season. Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks starts right now. And welcome in. It's Wednesday. It is week eight. And it's Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks, J.P. Shadrick, John Osher as well. Busy show ahead as we get ready to hop on the plane tomorrow to London. Bucky and John standing by. The Broncos and the Jaguars, a battle of two and five teams under the arch at Wembley. We heard from Doug Peterson today. The Jaguars head coach, Trevor Lawrence. Jaguars quarterback spoke. Travis Etienne spoke just moments ago in the Jaguars locker room after the trade of James Robinson to the New York Jets. Got a couple social media questions today as well. The Broncos-Jaguars game at Wembley is brought to you by FIS, principal partner of Jaguars UK. FIS, advancing the way the world pays, banks, and invests. Let's get to the head coach to begin things today, Doug Peterson on the trade of James Robinson. I got a lot of respect for James and, and what he's done and what he's done for me and the, and the, the organization and obviously wish him well. It's a great opportunity for him. You know, obviously the Jets, as we know, lost a running back. And and so it's honestly it's the nature it's the nature of our business. Teams begin to search and, and we got a call on him and and, and um, you know made the made the decision to, to move on. That's the head coach earlier today, Bucky Brooks from L.A. joining us. John Osier here in Jacksonville. And there you go, trade deadline a couple weeks out, but uh, the Jaguars make a move. The Jets had a need. The Jaguars running back room, at least Travis Etienne, is very hot right now. So they got a draft pick for him, and it's conditional. Bucky, how are you? What's up? Man, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, the deal was a little surprising based on uh, the information we had coming out of the game on Sunday about – uh, James Robinson maybe being dinged up and those things. Brees Hall gets hurt, uh, creates an opportunity for the Jets uh, to need a running back. James Robinson is one of the best on the board when it comes to availability, so they bring him in. I think for the Jaguars, what it was is the last couple of weeks we've seen, Travis Etienne is the number one back, and he has really been gobbling up all the carries and touches, and then Jermichael Hasty was being, beginning to play, and so James Robinson ended up being the odd man out, and despite his contributions early in his career uh, I think what you're seeing in this offense Doug Peterson and those guys want more more juice more pop more explosiveness and there was a role for James Robinson but I don't think that was a role that made him indispensable and so we saw him traded away you get a conditional pick and you move forward yeah Doug's a pro so when he's asked today about uh, speed being a factor he's not going to overemphasize that and he said that really wasn't a factor I, you know I think it was a factor. I mean, it's James Robinson is, is a very good player. He's a certain kind of back who needs a lot of carries. Uh, Travis Etienne is averaging, I think, 6.8 carry this season. 6.1 is fourth in the league. In the last three games, he's had 200 yards rushing on 24 carries. That's over eight yards a carry. Uh, I think it came down to trade deadlines coming up. You, you get an opportunity to get some equity for James Robinson. And realistically, Doug's looking at that situ- situation saying, Travis Etienne is the one home run impact guy on this offense. How can I possibly not have him in the game as much as possible? If you're going to him on the sideline saying, hey, Doug, we need to take Travis out of the game right now, he's going to look at me and go, why? 
you know, so I think when you came down to that, it just made sense to go ahead and make the move. Um, doesn't mean fans shouldn't be upset to see a player that they love go, but that's the fans' job. The team's job is to maximize resources and to get this kid that you're watching right now on the field as much as possible because he's turning into so much better than I thought he was going to be. Uh, special. Yeah, special player, yeah. Bucky. He just told me in the locker room, though, uh, that you know the one thing he's really trying to work on, and he'll certainly have to now, is his stamina and, and trying to stay out there after a long run, stay on the field, keep churning it going. He said James Robinson was that guy that could, hey, if kind of – uh, fill some holes in his game if he's not able to grind out a few yards and get a breather well James was that guy that could come in so Travis is just continuing to grow Buck he's gonna have to yeah he's continuing to grow but it doesn't necessarily mean that he's gonna have to stay out in and add to his workload it just means that the rotation has to become deeper and so Snoop Connor has to step up and be ready to play and so he's had an opportunity to have a, a bit of a red shirt season thus far but now he has to step up and kind of jump into the rotation Jermichael Hasty will see his role expand uh, if anything remember he's had some explosive plays that have certainly caught the eye and the attention of the coaching staff so you want to give him opportunities to make plays as well as well this is an offense that wants to and needs to score more points and the only way you can do that is by putting the guys who are point scorers on the field uh, Travis Etienne is one Jermichael Hasty looks like he might be another Bucky, is this? Uh, I mentioned earlier that it's it's surprising to me that uh, Travis is doing this. He he's a different kind of runner than I thought. I, I mean, I like the explosiveness, but he's also really tough uh, when he's getting tackled. I know he's got to hold the ball better. That's obvious. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess two questions for the scout, or uh, this is more of a question for the draft analyst. <laughs> okay. Um, did you expect this kind of impact? Uh, and where does he rank in terms of backs who can scare you right now? Uh, he's getting up there, isn't he? In terms of in the league, he, uh, guys who are a threat on every play. This is sort of rare. Yeah, it is rare. Um, and the number one thing that defense coordinators uh, look at when they're, when they're looking at the tape, they're looking at the guys who are the most explosive, the guys who are the dangerous players, the guys who can score from anywhere on the field. Where Travis Etienne is flashing that kind of big playability, someone that you got to keep – account of you need to make sure you understand his whereabouts at, at at all times and you have to do a good job of tackling and making sure that he doesn't get room in space i would say that this is very similar to what you saw at clemson he was a big play maker i want to say at clemson maybe he had 78 touchdowns uh school record consistently found a way to pay dirt well now he's beginning to show some of those skills uh with the jaguars and so as he continues to grow into his role as a big play maker you want to give him more opportunities the part of his game where he needs to expand he needs to be more active in the passing game meaning if he can become a legitimate threat in the passing game a wide receiver to the level of an Alvin Kamara to the level of a Christian McCaffrey well that's when it gets really really fun because now you can do different things where you can get him his touches but he may not have to go against all 11 of the defense in terms of being able to run it between the tackles, you can get him in space and have some one-on-one matchups, some one-on-two matchups where you believe that his wiggle is going to enable him to turn a short pass into a big game. And uh, maybe, JP, he's just so good that he would fit anywhere, but it really strikes you that this is one where they were sort of uh, fortunate. Drafted him last year, didn't really know what he was going to be because of the, uh, of the foot injury. Boy, does he fit 
with what Doug Peterson likes to do. I, I don't know that he would be your ideal back if Doug was a turnaround, hand the ball off to the running back 25, 30 times. He would still be good, but I don't know that he would be just a great fit for this offense. Ideally, I think you'd like to have him running 14 to 18 times a game. I think that's sort of what Doug would like, too, out of a running back. Just really fits what they do. Yeah, I, I, I think, John, you're, you're onto something. Like, he is that. I don't know if Doug ever envisions a running back being the 20-plus carry guy, but I think uh, 14 to 18 is, is really the sweet spot. And that 14 to 18 might be touches, not just carries. You know, 12 carries, six, seven uh, receptions out of the backfield on screens and swings and checkdowns. Uh, that might be enough to push him over the 100 scrimmage yard mark, which is significant because we've seen Travis Etienne begin to do that. And when he is kind of churning at that level, it opens up the rest of the field for the playmakers on the perimeter. And so as he settles in, and remember, like we're six or seven games into it, as he settles into his role as the number one, it'll create opportunities for others as more attention is placed to him as maybe the Jaguars' premier playmaker. Right. Guess what, JP? When you're averaging eight yards a carry, if you get 18 or 19 carry, that's okay. I think that, that puts up. you up around 140, 150. Adds up. It's Let's a go there. Pretty good day at the <laughs> office. Uh, this is Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks, JP Shadrick, John Ozer, along with Bucky. And the other big news uh, this afternoon, the Jaguars have placed Shaquille Griffin, the cornerback, on injured reserve with a back issue. He'll have to miss four weeks, Bucky. Well, he popped on the injury report the week after the Indy game. He was held out last week, unavailable to play, and he'll be held out for at least four weeks. So those changes that you saw last week in the cornerback room will have to move a few weeks forward as well, Buck. Yeah, they have moved a few weeks forward, and this will be an evaluation opportunity in all honesty. This will give the Jaguars an opportunity to see what their defense looks like without Shaquille Griffin. Uh, when you look at uh, the young players that are having to play, you think about Darius Williams playing, Trey Herndon being able to start uh, on the outside, and Tyson Campbell playing. What does that combination look like? What does that combination enable the coaches to do when it comes to playing more man or more zone? Or how does it change what they want to do up front because the coverage has to match the front? So, yeah, this is a four-week, uh, I guess, audition for the new crew to see if they can, I don't want to say move on from Shaquille Griffin, but maybe minimize his role and elevate some of these other guys into more prominent roles. Yeah, it, it feels to me like this is, I mean, I don't think Shaq's going to be here next year because of the cap number anyway. Uh, you get back in four weeks, and now you're at what, JP? I'm not very good at math. That'd be what, week? Week uh, 12. Yeah. Uh, so now you got five games left in the season. I, I, I guess he's back in the lineup at that point. I, I'm not sure. Um, so I guess my question to Bucky would be, I, I'm not trying to, you know, diminish Shaq at that point, but I just don't know where that's going to go at that point. Uh, how did Trey Herndon play last week in terms of, uh, to me, a major issue for this defense right now, not being able to cover that short pass has taken away any chance of them getting to the quarterback because teams are able to get rid of the ball so quick. It's really affected the pass rush. Can Trey help on that front? How good did he play? Can he be a guy who can maybe help them take away that crosser? That that element of what teams are doing against him is really hurting him right now. Yeah, I mean, Trey Herndon played fine the other night. He gave up a big one over the top, and he has some speed deficiencies that show up. And and, and so it, it, it might be tough if you don't live on the island where you want to press a lot and kind of put him in these one-on-one matchups on the perimeter. But 
you know, it all comes down to like his technique and how solid can he be at the line of scrimmage where he wins early as opposed to having to maybe win late. Yeah, but this is an opportunity for him to play more. It's an opportunity for some of these other young guys to play more. You know, I would think Brown would have an opportunity to kind of get into rotation and mix if he proves to be dependable and reliable on the practice field. Uh, You'll see some of these other players uh, come up. And I wouldn't kind of underestimate the Jaguars maybe being active either on the waiver wire or on the trade market as that comes because the cornerback position has been a sore spot because without tight coverage, you can't really blitz and attack the quarterback the way that you want. Uh, I just wonder how long before the frustration from the coaches, their inability to play the way that they want to play, leads them to make a move and try and find someone or a couple of guys that can kind of help them short the coverage in the back end. Yeah. I, do people get I mean, I, I think it's the major issue facing the defense right now. I mean, sure. it's yeah. uh, to me, it, I don't think it's a great pass rushing team. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's a two-sack and three-game team like it has been the last uh, two or three games. If uh, th- if the coverage was was better on the, on those short routes, so I think it's it's dictating the way they play defense right now, and it's why you've gone from nine takeaways to in the first four games to zero now. It, it, it's it's not all that, but I think all those things tie together, and it it's a major issue for this defense. I got to figure it out. It all adds up. It is. Now, look, JP, real quick, this is another thing that as we talk about the dominoes falling, this is why when you miss on your draft pick, C.J. Henderson, and you move on from him, this is how it impacts you down the line. Because that expectation would be that he was going to be the player that would be the lockdown corner that would be able to handle some of this stuff or whatever. And even though there have been moves made certainly after he was traded away, but that's where the hole in the draft kind of hurts you two or three years down the line. Now you don't have that premier corner that you were hoping for, and so you either have to go and draft it or overpay to try and find one on the free agent market. And go yeah, back JP another nine overall, yeah, and thirty-three overall, Tyson Campbell, supposed to be okay at corner now, right? With yeah. a free agent nickel, all that adds up. Mm-hmm. CJ's a missing piece. Yeah, and then go back another generation. You can even say that about Jalen when he was gone out of here. You had to go get CJ. I mean, that's that yeah. that domino started the whole thing. And look where the Jags are right now. Um, there you have it. Those are the big two stories so far this week. The trade of Gene Robinson and then Shaq Griffin to injured reserve. We're back in a moment. We'll get into this game at Wembley coming up Sunday. A battle of two and five teams. Both teams have dropped four in a row. The Denver Broncos and the Jacksonville Jaguars coming up. Huddle up with Bucky Brooks is brought to you by Fields Auto Group Jacksonville. Step up to luxury. FieldsAuto.com. This is Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks on the Jaguars Digital Network. There's a ton of film with, with Russell, and now there's a game with, with the backup with Ripien. And, um, you know, we just, we, just go, we just go about it as business as usual. We understand both, you know. Um, we understand what Russell brings to that team, and he also has the ability to run and use his legs, and he's – I've, I've played against him or coached against him many times and, and, and he can beat you doing that. And, um, you know, and so it, it just has to, it has to be a, you know, kind of the every hand on deck, so to speak, to, to exhaust the film, understand, you know, kind of what the, you know, what our defense is getting into and, and be, uh, be prepared for both. 
Oh, the hamstring watch of the Denver quarterback continues. Welcome back. It's Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks, J.P. Shadrick, John Osher here in Jacksonville. Bucky is out in Los Angeles. The Denver Broncos and the Jacksonville Jaguars coming up from Wembley. And uh, Russell Wilson was talking with the media in the U.K. once they arrived. They left Monday night, arrived Tuesday. They spoke today. They practiced and uh, said that basically he watched some film on the plane. He spent a few hours doing some workout on the plane somehow, doing high knees while other people were sleeping and trying to get the <laughs> hamstring right, all this. And last week, a couple of weeks ago, it was Wolverine blood, all this stuff going on with Russell Wilson. You know, is he going to play, Bucky? What do you think? I would, I would expect him to play. And uh, I don't know if that's necessarily a bad thing for the Jaguars because Russell hasn't played very well. Um, he will be limited from a mobility standpoint. And he's not the same player that he once was. He's not the player that came uh, a few years ago to the bank with the Seahawks and was running around and making plays. He's an older player, and I would say he's a declining player. That's it. He still can make enough plays for this offense, put points on the board. They just haven't found a rhythm. And so maybe with the week off and him having an opportunity to continue to dig deeper into the playbook, you'll understand the nuances of Nathaniel Hackett's scheme. But right now, this is a quarterback that if I'm the Jaguars, man, you want to get after him because he doesn't play his best when he's forced to throw on time and within the confines of the offense. And he no longer has the athleticism to really torture you like he used to when he was making plays outside of the pocket. Yeah, it's, it's the old thing. Uh, the mobile quarterback, when that's taken away, then they have to become a stationary quarterback that can beat you with the arm. And, and I've seen him do that, but it's not – really what he's always been great at his greatness has been the escapability and adding that element to a good pocket passer so um you know they're the lowest scoring team in the league uh the problem is the jaguars have shown a knack for the last, in the last couple of weeks for giving up points mm-hmm. uh no matter what the state of the other offense so that's right it it's a big test for the jags because you do not want the Broncos to come out and score 28 on you Mm-mm. because that's going to look bad, JP. I mean, yeah. I'm, you know. That's no, true. That's not a great analysis, but that's a big deal with it right now. You would think if the Jaguars can get to 24, you go win. But. Yeah. Russell Wilson's certainly good enough that if you can't cover short passes, that that can beat you. So. Th- I don't know that they have a matchup advantage against anybody right now the way they've been playing. So another part of this situation, Bucky, is you know they're a beat-up team, not just at the quarterback position. They've had tackle issues up front. I think they're on their third left tackle of the season. The running back's room has been beat up. Javante Williams has been out. Mike Boone's on injured reserve now. They've got three – I think that's probably the most veteran running back room in the NFL right now with Murray and Gordon and mm-hmm. you know, Marlon Mack brought up from the San Francisco practice squad and – you know, receivers who are having some catch issues. This is – it's a beat-up team right now. Yeah, beat-up team, a team that's kind of limping in. Uh, still hoping that they can catch fire because that was the expectation that that was going to be a Super Bowl contending team. Hasn't played out. And for Russell Wilson, his struggles we, we, we've talked about, but it's the rest of the team that hasn't necessarily performed up to par. They lost Javante Williams to a season in a knee injury. Melvin Gordon has had the fumble issues. And so they're trying to figure out who they can rely on to anchor this attack. And then on the outside, they have a bunch of intriguing young players, uh, guys that you're excited about what their upside could be. Um, 
Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, but those guys haven't played at an A level and they're not on the same page with Russell Wilson. So if you're the Jaguars, you want to take advantage of a team that is really struggling to find their identity. Don't give them any life, attack them from the jump, and let's see if the aging Russell Wilson can make a handful of plays to win the game. Yeah, the other worry is uh you know, I mentioned the Jaguars getting to twenty four points. Yeah. Against, uh, against this group? Yeah, which I think they can. I mean, I've said on, on on multiple shows this week, the Jaguars' offense to me is the thing that gives me great hope that they're going to get this thing turned around and get going over the next few years because they're ranked seventh in the league right now. Uh, I keep using this stat. Every game this year they've had at least three drives over 60 yards. They had six drives over 60 yards the other day. This offense is moving consistently without what I would consider a, a, a great elite-level skill player outside mm-hmm. maybe Travis Etienne. They're good, but there's no great guy right now, and, and they're still moving the ball. So I think this offense is going to get going and be really good over the next few years. But this defense is the best they've played yet. Yeah, Denver is third in the league in scoring defense right up there at the top, uh, second in the league in total Defense by yardage, Bucky, all the stats you, you could throw at you. They're best in the red zone in the NFL. I mean, they get after it, and they've got a good pass rush, even though they've had some guys banged up in, in that area as well. They've got a good secondary, even though Ronald Darby's out. They've still got players, and they bring it every week on defense. Yeah, they bring it every week on defense, and uh, they've done a really good job of kind of putting it together. The system is really solid. The playmakers that they have in the trenches are good. Uh, Bradley Chubb, you've already talked about, uh, being a problem off the edge. Um, their secondary is lights out, Pastor Tan, Justin Simmons. Those guys can 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 lock it down and, and play. To me, this is a situation where somebody has to come in the room and say, hey, man, somebody has to wear the big sombrero, and the big sombrero is – on the offensive side of the ball, and it might be the offensive line. Because if the offensive line is able to control the point of attack and they can run the football the way that they may need to run it and protect Trevor Lawrence so he can throw some of those balls to the perimeter without being under rest, the Jaguars can attack him. But it is a matchup really between the Jaguars' offense and defense that should command and dominate most of the conversation. Yeah, I mean, now the Broncos, even beyond the stats, and those are absolutely dead on, J.P., they pass the eye test. I mean, yep. they're when you watch them play, they're fast. Uh, Doug Peterson, I was going to ask Bucky about this, said their interior defensive line, and, and the Jaguars have played some good interior defensive linemen and defensive defensive areas, but he said it might be the best they've faced so far this year. That's pretty high praise because Washington's good, Giants are good with yeah. your guy who, you know, you apparently go back with <laughs> millions of years. But, I mean, they uh, – <laughs> This is a good interior, Bucky. I got you on that one, Buck. I thought you'd appreciate it. Look, I doubt it back from last week. Because last <laughs> week I, I had plenty of energy. I was I was double caffeinated. And uh, it didn't turn out in our favor, even though we played okay. Uh, so this week I'm trying to take a more subdued approach, a more business-like approach. Like, hey, we're on a business trip, going to London. We're going to take care of business against Russell Wilson and those guys. And we'll see what it turns out to be. Nah, but you're, you're right when we talk about the interior of this line. DJ Jones, Deshaun Williams, uh, Draymond Jones on the inside. Not household names, but, man, they can clog it up. They're really physical at the point of attack. And then when you have Bradley Chubb on the outside, he wrecks shop and brings the noise. That's it. They still can be got. But the Jaguars have to make sure that they take their time and they protect 
and make sure that those guys don't have a big game running up the field, getting after the quarterback, because there's still some vulnerable areas of this team on, on, on the perimeter, particularly in the secondary. Pastor Tan is great. I talked about Justin Simmons, but there's some guys, Kwan Williams, Damari Mathis, uh, that are available that you can, you might be able to have your way with them if your experienced receivers have enough time to kind of work their magic on the perimeter. Guys, let's take a timeout. We've got a couple social media questions. When we return, the Jaguars and the Broncos coming up at Wembley this Sunday in London, a battle of two and five teams. And for the Jaguars, their ninth visit to London all time. For the Broncos, their second visit to the UK. This is Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks on the Jaguars Digital Network. Teams play a little more up-tempo or no huddle against us here in the last couple of weeks. Um, you're seeing more quick passing game, you know, a little bit of the RPO game. Those are all things to sort of slow down your, your pass rush. And then substitution packages, um, you know, with different personnel. If, if we match, you know, an offensive personnel, just getting the right guys in on the field, all those things can be sort of minimized when, when teams, and we do the same thing on offense, right? When, when we know a defense wants to, uh, you know, sub their D line as much as as much as teams do, and and it can all it can all affect, right? It can all affect uh, production. It can affect, you know, how how a group plays. And I really think that's been, you know, that's been the case here in the last couple of weeks. That's the Jaguars head coach Doug Peterson earlier today. Welcome back. It's Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks on Wednesday, as always here on Jaguars.com, Jaguars social media, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. JP Shadrick. John Osher with Bucky Brooks ahead of the Broncos-Jaguars matchup at Wembley Stadium. Hey, let's get to some social media questions today. we got a couple. And uh, let's start off with at Dylan underscore Kiernan. Why is a fifth-round pick worth more to the Jags than J-Rob? What do you think, John? Well, I mean, uh, I think... Fifth is if he runs for over a certain amount of yards. It's a sixth conditional, could be a fifth. Because I don't think they were going to bring him back next year. Um, and I think he had 10 games left. Uh, I also think that the way the offense was starting to play, that you were seeing his role diminished in the last three games. I, I wrote the stat. I can't remember exactly what it was. But six or seven carries average for about 27, 28 yards. ETN was at uh, about... 10 carries for about 78 or 80 yards. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think they were looking at that, and I, I don't know that J.R. was going to have a role. You saw it the other day. No touches, one target. Um, now, some of that appears to have been uh, bang and bruise or whatever, but I, I don't know that that was going to increase a whole lot. So I think they looked at it and said, 10 games left. Uh, let's get what we can get out of it. I don't know that you'd have made this move if he had three years left in the deal. But with no, no, you're 10 right. games, it, I think that uh, becomes an NFL reality. Yeah, it's a byproduct of him being the last year of his deal. Uh, it's also a deal where you're the Jags. You're trying to figure out uh, what value. How much am I willing to pay him on the open market? If I'm not willing to go above a certain figure, then I'm going to go and draft one. And so getting that pick is really kind of a sweet spot when it comes to drafting running backs or whatever, fourth, fifth round, you try and find somebody who is either out, who will outplay their draft status because they had a character issue that led them to drop or someone that just you flat out missed on. Uh, but there are plenty of running backs. We see running backs come uh, out of all different types 
uh, of spots in terms of the draft. And so I felt like uh, the Jaguars believed they could upgrade the position moving on from Jay Robin taking the pick over the player. And whenever there's a trade, JP, you, you know, we've been doing this long enough. Whenever there's a trade for a familiar name on a team and it's not mm-hmm. a first or second round compensation, it's, oh, they blew the trade. Well, it's yeah. just not the way. When a team such as the Jets knows you've only got 10 games left with this guy, you let him go at the end of the season, it, it's not going to bring a first or second round pick. It's just not the way compensation works in the NFL. People were talking about second or third. I, I, I would have been stunned if they maybe fourth, but I'd have been surprised if they'd gotten a fourth for J. Rob. I just, it, I think this is pretty much what the value goes. It's what the market will bear. They didn't give this guy away. It is what it is. All right, guys. Our next question from at Brad underscore DDS Sports. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Well, good afternoon to oh, you. Thank you, Brad. Brad, thanks. Uh, how much of an advantage is the London game for the Jags? This is the week. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I'll go. I mean, I, I, I think there was a time where I felt like this gave us, us meaning the Jags, an edge. Um, 2017 when they beat the Ravens over there. Yep. The Bills the week, the year before, or 15 or 16, they got way up on the Colts yep. one year. They were slipping and sliding all over the pitch. Colts yeah. were, yeah. Mm-hmm. I felt like for a few years when the Jags had been a few times and other teams didn't know it, I really felt like it gave them an edge that year against the Ravens. You know, it just felt like the Ravens didn't want to be there. Maybe I'm remembering it wrong, no, but that no. was sort of the feel. They beat the hell out of them, and you could tell it in the tone of the comments going into the game and yeah. after the game, too. Yeah, so I don't think that exists as much anymore. And maybe I'll be proven wrong. Maybe Jesse went blow at the Broncos. But I don't think that advantage is going to exist as much as it did going forward. I think teams have been over there. Logistics people have been over there. Uh I'm not saying it'll never be an issue, but I don't think you're going to see it be a yearly thing where the Jags have an edge with it. Oh, well, look, I'll be honest with you. When it comes to home field advantage, the real home field advantage is having better players than the other team. That's when the home field advantage and all that other stuff matters. So we can talk about taking a long trip and flying across uh, the pond and doing all that other stuff. At the end of the day, if you have better players, that's the advantage. The advantage is I'm better than you. And so we'll see if the Jaguars are better than the Broncos in certain areas. Uh, this is one where uh, they can kind of trick it up a little bit. Doug alluded to playing with tempo and pace and rhythm and those things. Let's see if some of that stuff will work. But, I mean, if the Broncos are going to come over on a Monday and take a full week to acclimate to the time and all that, now it becomes an execution game, not one on rest and recovery and who has jet lag and who, who doesn't. You know, it's interesting, and then- I haven't looked it up because I don't know where pro football research has this stat. I don't think they, there is one. I don't remember a team doing this for a long time, the week out thing. Oh, going out all uh, week Yeah, I mean, uh, the Jags did it in 13 or 14, one of the first years, or the first two years that uh, you and I went over, That's JP. Right. I 13 think it was a week. 14, yep. yep. But beyond that, they haven't done it. And I don't recall a whole lot of other teams who just done it once doing it this way so and consider this too nate hackett was here for four years and most of those were short trips that was yeah i don't think nate was ever here when they went extended right uh but they so chose to go long uh well, but you know what'll maybe, happen 
based on Hackett's experience, uh, I'm sure it seemed like they took a lot of losses during that time coming to London. Maybe want to do something different. So maybe you want to tweak the schedule and see if the acclimation period will help his guys perform at a better level than maybe some of the teams that he was on earlier performed at. Yeah, actually, I know this is Bucky's show, JP, but <laughs> uh, not so, Buck. I mean, uh, they actually won a bunch of games with Hackett. They beat uh, the Bill. You know, they were pretty good doing that. Here's what will happen, Bucky. I guarantee you this. If, if the Broncos come out and play well and win, Everybody will go on Monday now because, oh, they did it. You know, it's such a copycat league. Now everybody will start going on Monday again. I read, so. I read a story where they, you know, they were planning on playing right before COVID in, in a game in the UK. And, of course, the COVID thing happened. So they had sent people over to plan on their own. It was their first time going since 2010, all this. And then in this off season, they flew over the hotel kitchen staff from the UK to Denver to learn how to prepare the meals the way they wanted them all week long. So of, of course they the did. the Wilt the Hilton Wembley people had to go all the way to Denver for like a week and learn how to yeah. cook food again. If there is a thing well, I mean, that like, this league like, can like, spend money on, they will do it. <laughs> I mean, why why not? I mean, you got your your quarterback doing high knees on a plane, which I don't even understand how you have enough room to high knee and stretch and do all that other stuff while everyone else is sleeping. And then you're telling me that the hotel hotel staff flew across the pond so they can have a, a sample platters like at, at, at some grocery stores. I'm, I'm shocked. I mean, my goodness, like what, what are the Broncos doing? But we'll see because we can joke about it or whatever. If they get to win on Sunday, then hey, hats off to them. Guys, Two things, JP. Yeah. If a team can find something to overspend on in the NFL, they will do it. And, Bucky's never traveled with me because I do high knees on the plane all the time. The time it's <laughs> annoying. High yeah, knees on the plane, compression sleeve, yeah. all that other stuff. I'm sure. It's um, an impressive sight. Well, I mean, look, the good thing is, is, John, while you're on one side doing high knees, I'll be on the other side doing side angle and uh, all kinds of yoga poses, making sure that I'm in warrior one and warrior two to make sure the circulation is going the right way so I can be my own version of Russell Wilson. That's right. <laughs> That's what this sleep mask is for. I'll use that throughout the flight for sure. Uh, we're back in a moment. Thanks for the social media questions. Today, our final thoughts ahead of the Broncos-Jaguars game. Subscribe to the official Jaguars podcast network. It's on iHeartRadio, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you download your pods. Give us those five stars, why don't you? And some comments while you're at it. It's Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks on the Jaguars digital network. the fatigue factor you know and you still got to meet you still got to practice and, and keep the guys keep the guys going I mean that's a challenge there but you know you get to Saturday and obviously Sunday you feel you feel pretty good and, and, you, and you're ready to go you know so we do we do the bulk of our lifting that way you know these next two days there you have it Doug Peterson on the biggest challenge of the travel coming up Thursday night welcome back it's huddle up with Bucky Brooks JP Shadrick with John Osier here in Jacksonville Bucky out in Los Angeles huddle up with Bucky Brooks brought to you by Fields Auto Group Jacksonville step up to luxury fieldsauto.com and we take a live look outside TIA Bank Field yeah. oh it's a beautiful sunny partly cloudy day mostly sunny I'd say and it's the Miller Electric Center the future home for Jaguars football. The office is on the right. The indoor facility in the middle. The practice fields will be in the middle and left. And the grandstand will be on the far left. And it's going to be fantastic. It will be open for business before training camp of 2023. So it continues to grow 
each and every day. Now, the Jaguars are headed to Wembley to face the Denver Broncos. The last time the Broncos were in London was 2010, and they were popped right after the game for filming the 49ers practice and fined $100,000 total, $50,000 to the head coach. An assistant there filmed the 49ers practice. Only a few weeks later, uh, Josh McDaniels was fired at the time. That's been a while. The Jaguars have had mixed results in London over the years, let's say. They've had some good times. They've had some very low times, but the times will continue for the foreseeable future, <laughs> and hopefully they're better than they are worse, Bucky, but it's going to be what it is, and now it's another trip to London, and it's a battle of two and five teams. Each of these teams need it, certainly. Uh, what do you feel about this game? Do you feel Do you feel good about it? I mean, I feel good about it. I feel good about it. I feel good about uh, the Broncos limping in, having a ton of offensive woes, a quarterback who is uh, not at full strength. Yeah, I feel good about it for the Jaguars. The key will be, can you make Russell Wilson uncomfortable in the pocket? Uh, if you're able to make him uncomfortable in the pocket, now he has to use his legs, and he doesn't want to live that life anymore. He doesn't want to be on the perimeter. So it's stopping the run. It's making sure you get after Russell. And then it's just a limit to big plays. You do those things, you can have success because it might be some tough sledding on offense. And so if the Jaguars are able to get up maybe two scores, 10 points, 13 points, man, that might seem like an insurmountable lead uh, for the Broncos to come back from. I feel good about it as well. And I, I haven't felt good a whole lot uh, lately about this team because I, I wanted to see them win a close game they haven't been able to win yet. But at some point you break through that. And mm -hmm. uh, I didn't feel great about it against the Giants because they seem like a team that knew how they wanted to play and was playing very well to their formula. That's dangerous. Um, I, don't know the, I don't know the Broncos are there yet. So it scares Sounds me like that the defense plays that well. Uh-huh. Uh, but I do think this is an offense that, that that the Jaguars can and should go get. Oh, that sounds like a guarantee right there, JP. That sounds <laughs> like NJO's on way of kind of like no, I can't sure guarantee because I haven't seen the secondary. I haven't seen make the sure secondary he doesn't give bulletin board material. Like that is about as close to a guarantee as I've heard from uh, Young Osher over there. Like that sounds like you're, you're guaranteeing that I can take that to the bank. Well, I mean, uh, you do you and do whatever you want. That's uh, not see, what I'm doing. I love it. So you know what I love, JP? Yeah. I love when I get the arrogant version of JL. Of like I love that that arrogance where I, I know what I'm saying. I know what I got. Yeah. This and that. I, I get that, I like that all the time from him. All, like all the time. I I like their chances better than I've liked them in a long time. By the way, the uh, weather forecast in London is mid 60s. And a low of 56 overnight, 70% chance of rain on Sunday. The stands are covered. The field is not. There is a relatively new pitch there a couple years ago. It's 97% natural grass, 3% synthetic fibers. And the last event there was in early October. It was an England women's soccer game. So they've had a couple, three weeks without any activity on the field. We know in the past that has been an issue there. And certainly when it rains, we've seen that, John, it can be a slippery mess. The field's just a little different consistency than over here. Yeah, Buck, did you like how he uh, called it a pitch? Yeah, it's, I did yeah, like how he it, it in. He's getting, he's getting ready. He's getting ready. Yeah, he's I mean, bringing it's, some, it's, of those, uh, some, some of those soccer time, terms right. in, and I'm sure there'll be some more analogies as he gets ready uh, to embark on a little trip across the pond.
I guess this isn't an, it's an international show, so I guess you can call it a pitch. If it was just going out to the Americans, we just call it a pitch. Well, <laughs> next time I'll ask your permission, John. How about that? No, I won't. Um, that'll do it for the show. Uh, Bucky, we'll talk to you, man. Have a great week. Hey, man, you guys do have fun. Bucky Brooks in Los Angeles, California. Thank you all for watching. And, of course, the Broncos-Jaguars game at Wembley is brought to you by FIS, principal partner of Jaguars UK. FIS, advancing the way the world pays, banks, and invests. Our thanks to Joe Fortunato on the audio side, Brent Reber on the video side. For Bucky, for John Ozier, I'm J.P. Shadrick. We'll see you at Wembley. Coming up Sunday, it's Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks on the Jaguars Digital Network.